0: The clean, unclean, sinfulness, um, holiness distinction in the, especially Leviticus, kind of the temple, uh, the temple rules and regulations. And then Jesus at the New Testament, because whenever he touches somebody who's sick, who's dead, who's anything, all the priests are like, what are you doing? Like, that's, (laughs) you're going to make yourself (laughs) unclean. This is Mm. like, how dare you, how dare you touch sinful, sick people because you have no access to the temple now that you do this, like, like, how can go. you call yourself the son of God and say that you can now walk into the temple?
1: Welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude podcast, a show devoted to bridging the gap to the historic Reformed Christian faith. Listen in as two friends, a layman Nick and a pastor Peter discuss core doctrines of our confessional traditions with seminary and college professors, seasoned pastors, and more. These seasonal episodes exist to reach those outside the church, those in the pews, behind pulpits, and in the academy with rich truths of Reformed theology and remind ourselves weekly how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything.
0: Hey, this is Peter Bell, and I am in the beautiful wine country of Central Coast, California, in Santa Maria, north end of Santa Maria, in Santa Barbara County. I serve Redeemer OPC, Redeemer Orthodox Presbyterian Church, on the north end of Santa Maria. We meet at Temple Bethel, which is right there, Temple Bethel, at 11 a.m. for Sunday service and 9.45 a.m., so just before that, for Sunday school. For all ages, we have Kids Sunday School adult Sunday school or all Sunday school at 9:45. You can find us at discoverredeemer.org with one R again, discoverredeemer.org. We have a bunch of activities throughout the week, but most importantly, Sunday, we have the gospel preach, the, the sacraments administered and church discipline faithfully brought out. So I hope to see you here at Redeemer OPC in Santa Maria, Central Coast, wine country of Santa Barbara. Hope to see you.
2: Hey everybody, this is Pastor Danny Hyde from the Oceanside United Reformed Church. I want to invite you out to our church. We meet in sunny Southern California, uh, here in San Diego. And uh, we meet at the Army-Navy Academy in Carlsbad, right along the ocean as you can see, the Pacific. And uh, we meet every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. We uh, hear the Word of God, we hear the Gospel preach, we have the Lord's Supper every Sunday morning. And then we have Sunday School at about noon for kids. come again uh, together at 5 o'clock every night, uh, Sunday night, for uh, teaching, prayer, and singing. And then we also have various uh, midweek groups, Bible studies, men's, women's, and also other Bible studies as well uh, throughout the week. So I want to invite you out to worship with us. If you know anybody in the area here in North County of San Diego, uh, invite them as well, let them know. You can find out more about us on our website, oceansideurc.org, or also on all the various social media, to find us as well. God bless.
0: Hey, this is Peter, one of the co-hosts. We're doing something new. All ads will be fronted before the episode for unimpeded listening pleasure. A quick plug for our show, Guilt Grace Gratitude. Would you consider giving to our show? We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are now tax-deductible. We've got two options to give. One Email us at guiltgracepod at gmail.com if you'd like to send a check or use our direct donor link. Or two, go to our show notes and click on our donor box link to give a recurring donation or a one-time gift. You can also click on our Patreon account in the show notes and sign up for monthly exclusives, merchandise, coupon codes with publishers we work with, giveaways, our subscribers, and much more. All donations we're gifted are used exclusively to pursue our mission to bridging the gap to reform Christian theology. Would you join us?
1: Now on to the show. Hello everyone, yet once again it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast, where we bridge the gap to reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. We're on season seven, seeing Jesus through the whole Bible. And on this episode, we are on Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. We're still in the Pentateuch and we're picking up, picking up where Exodus left off. Uh, Moses is still the author and we're, and now the Israelites are on their journey from Mount Sinai to the promised land during that 40 year period. And so this book Leviticus is, uh, Sometimes the, the, one of the first books that people struggle with in their Bible reading plans. So hopefully no, no this doubt. episode is very helpful. <laughs> uh, it, it It is like reading a manual, literally. Um, it's incredibly important, though, in ways pointing to holiness, purity, sacrifices, which uh, point to uh, the fulfilled and fulfilled in Christ. As well, explaining explain in the point of this whole season, how everything is pointing to Christ and how we see Christ in all these 66 books in the Bible and how God set apart uh, from us as a holy, uh, God set apart Israel uh, from the rest of the world as a holy nation. And he sets us apart um, as Christians from the rest of the world as salt and light. Um, even though we're still sinners. So you're going to see in Leviticus how they have to, even though they're still sinners, how how God can solve the problem of still walking with them and being with them, even though they're still sinners. And so there's a big creator creature distinction that we'll lay out. And so but before I talk much more, about that stuff. And we go into it. If you guys go to our show notes, there's going to be some references about this season and this episode, all uh, Danny and Peter will definitely talk about their references, but mine, um, this helped me this introducing old Testament, Robert Hubbard and Andrew Dearman book uh, is actually really helpful. I just came ac- across this one uh, recently. It goes uh, book by book in the old Testament lays out some groundwork, some definitions, some explanations like that. Of course, uh, the Bible Project is always really helpful. Watch those short videos to get uh, some information. And then the Messianic Vision of the Pentateuch, Kevin Chen. uh, This is from IVP. And then um, obviously I got my NIV, Biblical Theology Study Bible, Zondervan, D.A. Carson. uh, Really helpful for getting background and understanding uh, all these books. Uh, some more complicated than the others, and this one is going to be a little is more challenging. So he's got a
2: traveling library in the back of his car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a total reform guy. I got the bookmobile over in here. Car. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, you guys heard Danny's voice. So I'll I'll kind of uh, pause from talking a little bit and let Danny and uh, Peter further introduce themselves, and we'll get the show going. So how are you we guys? Yeah. We're doing good. Peter,
0: Danny's uh, go homeschooling yeah. his kid now.
2: Yeah, I'm really reformed. So there you go. <laughs> that's, right.
0: that's He's like, if I were to be a TR, I gotta homeschool my kid. <laughs> we won't say which kid it is, but he's homeschooling one of them. So if you guys know yep. who his kids are, then one out of four. One out of the four. Cool. Yeah, we're,
2: cracking the, we're cracking the whip this year. <laughs> that's,
0: that's right. Yeah, you're like, we're no no public school. We're just gonna we're gonna homeschool you and you're gonna learn Latin phrases and you're gonna learn all this stuff and you're gonna be super smart when you get into high yep.
2: school. Yep. Yeah, we're doing uh, we're doing logic clash right now. It's really fun.
0: There you go. Yeah. So like, yeah. he's like,
2: we're, we're at the dinner table and like the kids are yelling at each other, and then he's like, "That's an argument." Add you know, uh, ad hominem. That's <laughs> yeah. a that's a straw man. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I and can one see your kids is that. like, what does that even mean? What does that yep. even
0: mean? You know. I can see your like, kids just doing just,
2: that. I just defeated you in an argument right there. It only took me three three words.
0: You know. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> exactly. Yeah. So cool. Leviticus. Yeah. This Is uh, like Nick said, I think. What Maybe not so much a hard book, but a a neglected book by a lot of Christians, which makes it hard because a lot of Christians don't read it. So they get into it and it's like, oh, what the heck is going on here? Yep. Um. So maybe even before Nick's first question, um, why should Christians read Leviticus, even though it seems like it's just all these rules and laws? Jesus read it? <laughs> okay. Jesus <laughs> Somebody- read it?
2: Um, there you go. And, um, you know, I, I mean, like we've said before, the, the, our first episode, right? We talked about how Jesus in various places talks about how the whole Bible is about himself, the old Testament. And then, you know, Paul gives that very important, um, uh, like exhortation to, sorry, to, to, uh, to Timothy in, uh, second Timothy three. Yeah. When he says all scripture is, is breathed out or inspired. He said and that he says, besides no,
0: Leviticus, all scripture yeah. is breathed out.
2: Yeah. Yeah so that's right
0: struggling. leviticus is included in that too. but it's
2: all pro- it's all profitable paul tells timothy right yeah. um and I, like at that point you know that's like his last letter so you know for sure the old testament he's speaking referring to if not you know collections of gospels and letters but um that are certain you know at least probably mark is going around but or, or mm-hmm. matthew um so you know at a minimum the old testament is profitable uh, for instruction, for, you know, reproof for training in righteousness that, that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped. So yeah, the whole old, the old, the old Testament, including, you know, Leviticus, which you have to kind of, you know, tro- tro- you know trod through. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll help you out with that. So
0: there you go. And yeah. the last little question before Nick kind of kicks it off. Um, why do you think so many Christians, so many pastors, lay leaders, whatnot in the church today tend to skip Leviticus? And what, like, what happens when we skip it?
2: Um, I mean, why this, I mean, I, you know, it's probably like a million reasons. I mean, I don't know what everybody's thinking out there, what every pastor's thinking about, but I would certainly think like, you know, in 20 20th, 20th now 21st century United States, especially here in SoCal, just the influence of dispensationalism, mm. um, has, you know, wreaked havoc now surprisingly though, like just, you know, um, so like I've, I've had some, you know, some friends who've like left dispensationalism kind of classical, to more like progressive or even yeah. like just general premillennialism. um you know and obviously like that that movement you know the old school kind of movement i think is dead um yeah. so it's, you know definitely it's, it's moved on uh but then i was driving in the in the car last night picking up my daughter from soccer practice and uh, uh there's like nothing on i was like oh i'm gonna turn on k-wave you know the calvary <laughs> chapel's radio station Yep. and uh like ray bentley was on there um from down here from uh well you know when he was alive maranatha chapel um and he like it was just like a quick line in a sermon. I have no idea what he's preaching on, but he said, which is like a, a classic dispensationalist would never say this, um, that the old testament saints were say were justified by faith, just like New Testament Saints are. Hmm. And I was like, Oh wow, like even Ray Bentley says that. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, even like in this kind of like, you know, in that Cavit Chapel movement, which dispensationalism is so important, um, even, even you know, I don't know when the sermon was preached, but even he said something that was like, Oh, okay, like they've they've kind of moved like they're probably inconsistent but they've moved on like from some of those things so i would say dispensationalism and obviously like you know it's not very secret sensitive it's not very like applicable mm. you know i mean so you terrific. can't really preach uh you can't really preach like a dare to be a daniel you know you know yeah be, you know uh who are the from... yeah yeah be a sacrifice you know Go <laughs> sacrifice you know who wants to say that so um mm. you know yeah it's, it's very tedious it's like repetitive i mean yeah we all recognize that um when i <laughs> preached to it i I kind of correlated some of the early chapters on the sacrifices with like later on there's some laws and regulations about who gets yeah. to eat what parts. Yep. So you kind of like, you know, you don't necessarily preach every verse like in its order. Sometimes you kind of like have to block things together. But yeah, um, parallels. Yeah. I mean, I would just so. Yeah. There's probably like some theological underpinnings, probably just like, hey, people aren't very competent reading Hebrew. Um, They don't you know, they, they feel intimidated by this long book. It doesn't seem very relevant. And like, yeah, you you end up missing like the whole foundation of why Jesus came.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a big thing,
2: you know. The so.
0: biggest celebration in um in the Jewish <laughs> calendar festival system is right smack in the middle of Leviticus yep. 16, and so if you yep. miss Leviticus, then you're like, oh, why are they doing all this uh, Day of Atonement stuff?
2: Yeah, that's right. So yeah, all the sacrificial stuff is like set up here. So yeah,
1: cool. Yeah, all right. I Nick, mean, Nick, it, take it off. Yeah, I mean, it it literally. <laughs> feels like reading a manual. So I know obviously it's a holy book. It's God's word, but not to say like some books are easier to read than others. And this one's a challenge. And, and, you know, I reading it once I kind of was like, well, I mean, I'm going to go to some resources that help me exegete and unpack what this even means. And so um, it's not like reading the gospel of John or anything where it's like, oh man, this is just easy flow Mm -hmm. and good. This is like, Ooh, there's a lot of just manual rules and stuff. So this is actually going to be because of that, and what you guys said. This is going to be a really helpful episode because, like Peter said, I think is like if you can see Jesus through Leviticus, it makes everything make make much more sense. Yep. Of- yep. Yep. And so, uh, before I jump into my first question, to further kick things off, to help with uh, our audience and and you know if your, you're you're uh, understanding the structure of this book um there you can uh break up Leviticus in two major sections and if and this is based on the research I was looking at so if you guys have a better way or disagreement let me know but uh the first is the laws of the tabernacle which is chapters 1 through 16 with subsections I'll mention and then number 2 is uh laws of the community which is chapters 17 to 27 so yep se- sections uh section 1 which is Laws of the Tabernacle 1 through 16 can be more subsections broken up of 1 through 7 as sacrifices and offerings, 8 through 10, ordination of Aaron and his family as priests, 11 through 15, clean and unclean things, 16, the Day of Atonement. That's going to be fun to talk about. That's huge. That's really important. And then 17 mm-hmm. to 27, holiness code. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that might be yep, helpful. sounds pretty good. Okay, cool. So that wasn't me, obviously. I think that was... Uh... I think I got it out of my D.A. Carson biblical theology study Bible. i say that, that. Sounds or, kind of like
0: uh, D.A. Carson to me. Or, then or just, my
1: Old Testament book. Oh, which one's that? Uh, this is from uh, Erdman's. And oh, okay. uh, it's Robert Hubbard and Andrew Dearman introducing the Old Testament. Intro. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah it's a really good one. I think they're the both similar
0: profs in Old Testament.
1: Oh, nice.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. So um, just like, so, to, yeah. like in, in those subsections, um, yeah. you mind if I just like, give people a little bit of. Please, like, because it's it's yeah. very it's like it's really like yeah it's really thick right you're reading through that all and you're like man this is like
0: mm-hmm.
2: so much here so it's so tedious like how do I keep things together it's kind of so you know you know I don't expect people to write notes you know no. Nick don't write notes as you're driving but um, <laughs> I'm not driving yeah there you go people you can, can go back and listen or watch Um, so you know when you're reading through that first like and this is just for that first section I'm not gonna go to the end I'm just gonna stick to the first like up to chapter ten. um, yeah. So in the, in those subsections, like one through seven is gen- generally speaking, dealing with sacrifice and offering. So, yeah. Yeah. um, chapters one through, through three deals with the three principal types of sacrifices. So when you're reading through that, that's what you got to keep in mind. There's three kinds of sacrifices. Mm-hmm. There's the burnt offering olah, uh, the burnt offering. There's the, the grain offering, uh, mm-hmm. Mincha is the Hebrew term. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the Zavach, it's the the meal offering. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it's interesting just as you read that, like encourage people to read through and like see who gets to eat what sacrifices. Yeah,
0: that's big. Obviously, yeah. obviously
2: God is right. God, yeah. God is quote unquote eating. But
0: either the priests eat some or the people eat them. And yeah. there's distinctions.
2: That's right. So like, yeah, so I'll, I'll just leave it to people to figure out like in those first just the first three chapters, like see which ones are just priests. And which ones are like priests, and they share it with the people? Yeah, because so, not everybody um, eats the
0: same portions or the same parts or whatever it is. And this, yep. yeah, like you said, this is pretty important for understanding what's happening. That's
2: right. So just keep that in mind. And then in chapters four to five, again, it's dealing with sacrifice and so forth, uh, but it's really, focused on like the issue of like expiation, like the need for expiation or a quote unquote atonement. Uh, and there's yep. two, there's there's two more things that are mentioned, two more kinds of sacrifices. Uh, there's the sin offering. Hatat, mm-hmm. the sin offering and then there's also uh guilt offering which is mm-hmm. uh Hebrew term is asham mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um and again like this is all like it all goes towards the work of christ you know so there's different like con- so in the new testament there's different words for sin
0: mm-hmm.
2: um there's different concepts of like guilt like you know see in hebrew or uh, in, in leviticus too like there's active sin, there's passive sin, there's things mm-hmm. that you actually intentional sin, unintentional yeah. sin, high emission things that you're omitting, right? Like, hey, I acknowledge my like my person, my particular sin. There's an offering for that, but there's also just like a guilt offering, like a yep. general covering for like, hey, yeah. I missed know, something. I, like yeah. I know I'm a
0: sinner, therefore just I need in case happen, I missed sacrifice. that one, right? So,
2: um, yeah. anyways, and then chapters, I'll just stop at six to seven, because um, one to seven is like all one big block. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but then six to seven is like dealing with there's particular laws and regulations and and structure of like how the priests were to, to distribute the offering. Like when a person would bring an offering the priest would sacrifice or burn or whatever offered up. And then there's like rules for how to then take that and then distribute it either to the priests to eat
0: or to the people. Um, Similar to the food offerings beforehand. Yeah. So Mm. it's, you know,
2: it, it, it might sound boring and it might sound like insignificant to us, but, you know the Lord is like very meticulous about it because he's he's laying the groundwork mm-hmm. for all that the Messiah. This is how you being, worship so. Him,
0: and this is how yeah. your yeah your so. sin is forgiven. Not in the sacrifice themselves, but yeah, what yep. these, what these show forth for us. So,
2: anyways, yeah, go back and listen or read and kind of like chart that out, and like it'll help you make more sense of it, and like it'll start to show you like the 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 great like the beauty of it and how it all fulfills in Christ. Yep,
1: I and mean, if you buy anything or have anything that's valuable it's always going to come with an instruction manual. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. even God's word and, and even you know, though the Israelites didn't buy the
0: tabernacle. They were, you can say they were yeah. gifted the tabernacle. That's right. But
1: this obviously God's word is in, and, and uh redemptive history is so valuable. He yeah. creates an instruction even, manual. For, yeah. <laughs> even in the
0: 10 commandments, he tells us in the first four, how we're to worship him. And yep. now we get like kind of the intricacies of that worship within Leviticus.
1: Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. So, uh, first real question here, um, we can maybe brush over this sometimes like just the title Leviticus. Yep. <laughs> well, how did they come up with that? Like how did they even mm-hmm. come up with the names of the books? So it has to mean something. So hold parking lot, that answer for a second, what does the title Leviticus mean? So the theological theme of how God's presence can be in the midst of his people is what we're looking at in this book. How can they properly worship him? Like Peter said, mm-hmm. uh, how, how they are a people set apart from the rest of the world.
0: Yep. Super and important. What,
1: yep. What are the priests role and how are the Israelites to interact with the tabernacle? Yep. Love I'll that even
0: picture. qualify that too. There are, not just one order of priests. There are two orders yep. of priests. Yeah, which is yeah, that's big. a
1: good good remember. And then do the priests and the tabernacle point directly to Christ? So a lot of questions in that first question. I, I know you have that question in front of you, so go for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll start yeah. on this. So, go for so it. yeah, <laughs> Danny can think and and t- I want to maybe not so much help with the the title because Leviticus is is not from the Hebrew of what yeah. we have. It's I think from the the Septuagint, I think, is that right, Danny? That where we get Leviticus from?
2: Yeah. So yeah, the Septuagint is Leviticone, which comes into Latin as Leviticus.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, it, and it
2: just means like priestly. So it ha- yeah, in, and you and, can uh, figure out like we yeah. have
0: Levites, so you can kind of figure yeah. out where yeah. Leviticus comes from. Um, yep. But that brings me into one one thing I'll, I'll kind of mark and this. this is something I've put a little bit more work into is the orders of the priests because I think everybody assumes the priests all do the same thing, but there are nope. different orders of priests because the Levites um, are the ones who guard and keep the temple. They make sure that holiness does not kind of spread out across people, not because it's bad because holiness kills unholy people, uh, but also make sure that the temple does not become defiled by yep. unholiness. <clears throat> and then also the Aaronites, <clears throat> sorry, the Aaronites are the ones who come and, and make, make sacrifices for the people. And then we'll talk about with the day of atonement, that that's one, person within the, the priestly order who makes the sacrifice. So you also, even within the, um, the distinctions and offerings, you have to make distinctions in the duties of various orders of priests. So it's not all like everybody's the same thing. They're, they're various people in order to do different things for the temple.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, just to add to that, I mean, well, we'll get to it, but in the book of numbers, it like spells that out more um I'm actually going to be leading a bible study at our church starting in January through numbers. Hmm. Um again like hey who wants to read a book of, of numbers? Arith- <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, arithmoi is the is the Greek title yep. Arithmoi, way you know math. Uh-huh. <laughs> um you know numbers um uh but there's yeah the reason it, why it's, it's called numbers. Yeah. So it we'll, spells out that next the, week yeah. There's three families there's three family lines of the levites right? There's um what is it Ger- uh, Gershon uh is it is it Mar- Kohath and Merari? Hold on, let me look. Yeah, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and they all have different tasks. And some pre- some, some of the Levites um, aren't, well, some like they're all priestly, but some of the Levites don't actually sacrifice. Yeah. They just carry stuff. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> that's their job, is literally to carry stuff, like including the ashes. So, yeah. um, but it's all holy work, but it's just, yep. yeah, we all think of, like all the priests are always sacrificing all the time and no, they're praying, they're guarding like you said they're keeping you know they're dealing with like chapter 17 to 27 here in in, in Leviticus yeah. like Holiness somebody notes. has a skin disease like who yeah. deals with that well, that's, that's the priest's job to figure yeah. out like hey get out of here you're going to make the whole camp uh, unholy or you know here's how you you know heal that so um yeah anyways we'll get at that numbers more but uh, it's really cool to kind of like see that there's different tasks um uh yeah so Leviticus uh vayikra that's the first word usually the Hebrew uh, the, the first word is the title of the book. So, yep. um, but you know, and, and he called, you know, the Lord yeah. called
0: Moses. So, by your yeah, call, Moses. Yep. Um,
2: the rabbis called it Torah Kohanim, which is um, law of the can priests. Mean, can mean, yeah, like the instructions. Yeah, instructions, um,
0: teaching of the priest, something like that. Kohanim is priests. It,
2: yep. And it's a little ambiguous. It can mean um, instructions for the priests. And that's like chapters one through 16. This is where like that division oh, is true. so helpful. One through sixteen are God's instructions for the priests. Yeah, but then Torah uh, Kohanim can also be translated as instructions, you know, of or by the priests. Yeah, and that's where like chapter seventeen to the end. Or the people. So the, these are Leviticus. Yeah, the, the Levitical priesthood teaching the people. Yeah. Hey, this is what we're doing. Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Hey, this is what the calendar is like. Hey, you know. So yeah, yeah there's like there's,
0: there's implicit mediator language in this that it's given yeah. to the priests as mediators of this camp of the tabernacle and then from the mediator to the people.
2: Yeah. So um uh, and then when the translators of the Hebrew uh, of the Hebrew into Greek, the 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 Septuagint, when those translators translated the title, um, you know, they made an equivalent with that, Kohanim. Yeah. To, to say Leviticone um, priestly, and then it becomes into Latin, as I mentioned, you know, Leviticus. So yep. Um so it's kind of related to the, the, the Levite. It's not just Levites, though. It's like the whole priestly like apparatus. So it's like, yep. you know, the basically the rules, the instructions for the priests. So.
0: Yep. And it's yeah. like, and it's, I think people will get confused. So they'll just assume Levites are priests, but then you miss the one high priest who is yep. Aaronic, who's not of the, I mean, who's, who's a special kind of order within this, but not just kind of in general, the Levitical priests.
2: Yeah. There's high priest and there's priests, right? So there's Aaron. And then uh, we'll get to that. He has four sons. Yeah. Those four sons are the priests, the Mm -hmm. sacrificing priests. But then, of course, two of them, you know, themselves get consumed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A strange fire. Yeah. So based on the priest's uh, explanation, and and that was helpful. um, This isn't mentioned in Leviticus, but is the uh, Melchizedek line of priests, is that is that described or are you or no, one of the three? How does that match up? Because he's a he's a separate priest to, that we saw earlier in Genesis. So yep. what happened to him? What happened to his that line? So
2: Well, I mean, uh, that was what our was that episode that was episode three, right? Yeah. Episode yeah. three? Yep. So um yeah, he's only mentioned uh, Melchizedek's only mentioned three times in the Bible.
0: Yeah. Never in Leviticus. In Hel- yeah. yeah, right. Only in Genesis Psalms and Genesis uh,
2: Psalm one ten and then Hebrew seven. So yeah uh where did he go well i mean yeah uh, he's really sure <laughs> yeah i mean it's a mystery Where did, you know where did he personally go well i mean it depends if you think he's a christophany or if you think he's just a really re- a normal human being yeah um mm-hmm. you know who just does not mention like his genealogy yeah. like we talked about in the third episode so yep. uh okay. but that priesthood is like a separate
0: yeah it's not a human that's not that
2: yeah that's hebrew seven's whole point is like hey like why did we like, get a different
0: priestly line in Leviticus than we did yeah. with Melchizedek?
2: And it's like Hebrews mm-hmm. is like, hey, wh- why is there? Why did the Bible mention later on in Psalm 110 that there's that there's this other priestly line? If there was no need, yeah, for a more, if for more priests, like if the Levitical priests could like bring yeah. the reality of what they're signifying, you
0: almost kind of expect after yeah. the order of the, of the Levites, but yep. it's after the order of Melchizedek because yep. Yep. that is not a human line.
2: Yeah. yeah, And, you know, yeah. and the whole point of like Hebrew seven is to say, hey, the uh, Psalm 110 mentions this other order of priests, which shows you that the Levitical priesthood uh, could not bring in, as Hebrew seven calls it perfection, yep. meaning like, you know, like actual like fellowship and fitness yep. to fellowship It signified God, so. some of this
0: stuff. Yeah, but it was not the actual thing itself. Yep, beautiful.
1: Yeah, no, I that's why that's what I was hoping for you to say, because and I wanted to bring that up, because even though. Melchizedek obviously isn't mentioned in Leviticus. Leviticus is a book about priests. So I wanted people that yep. just listened to that episode and they are like, Whoa, whoa, what what happened to that really important guy you mentioned. Um, so thank you for that answer. Um, digging into one part of that. I know there's multiple questions in my first one. So I do want to uh, re-ask part of it is, you know, the whole part of Israel being set apart from the rest of the world. And so, there are these rules uh these laws these sacrifices that were instructed to the israelites um why why are they set apart from the rest of the world why isn't the whole world instructed with these things i think that's something maybe the average audience might be average person might be asking is like you know if these were so important and divine why isn't the entire world given them why is it just this small group of hebrews yeah. wandering around <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll start off on this, then Danny yeah. can can finish it. And I'll, I'll attack like one kind of point maybe Danny can do. You yes. know? But first is um, Israel, yes, has obviously we got the book of Leviticus. So this is the um the priestly order, the tabernacle order, the rules, the laws, ordinances for Israel. But essentially every other ancient or eastern culture had some sort of sacrificial system. So it wasn't like this was the only sacrificial system at this point, but was definitely unique in what they're doing, why they were doing it and also who they weren't sacrificing because most of their ancient and Eastern cultures would most likely sacrifice humans um or something of that ilk and for very different reasons to kind of satisfy um some desire from the gods versus this one was not necessarily for the gods or I guess proper, but to, um, like Danny said, to expiate sin, to atone for sin, um, not so much to like make the God happier, but it's, it's so that we can, so that God can dwell with us, not just for God to be happier, which I think is helpful too. So it's, it's not just like, this is, we have multiple law codes from a ton of different areas in this, in this time period. So it's not just a sacrificial system, but it's it's unique aspects of the sacrificial system too that do set Israel apart from a lot of their, their neighboring nations.
1: Okay. Yeah. I
2: guess if I understand the question, um, like why, why only Israel? Well, it goes back mm-hmm. to like what we said before about God, God's covenants, you know, he's chosen, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole world is created out of an Eve, uh, they sin. And then out of the whole world, he chooses one man, Noah. And for the one man, he means to repopulate the earth. Uh, and then again, like things go, go sideways really quick, um, or not very quick, depending on how old you think the earth is. (laughs) Um, and then he chooses Abraham or Abram, like the one man. And out of that one man, he's going to make a nation. And out of that one nation is going to come this one seed son, um, who's going to bless all the nations. So it's just how God works. Like, this is how God is at this point in redemptive history. He's working through this one people. Yep. Um, to make them, you know, to to teach them the realities of sin and salvation, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're supposed forth a, to be the
0: nations who, yeah, uh, who Yahweh is. Yeah, they because are supposed all to All of an, them have yeah. these kinds of law codes, not the yep. same stuff, but similar law codes. But they're they're shown the holiness of Yahweh and that He atones yep. for our sins, forgives us our sins, and then gives us His righteousness.
2: Yeah, and Israel is supposed to be a light to the nations. Like we, it's not, I think sometimes we forget that we think like evangelism and you know the Great Commission is only Matthew twenty-eight. Um, oh yeah, no Israel has
0: a relatively Israel, short mission.
1: Yeah,
2: Israel has a mission too to 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 the world. So
1: yeah, yep. It's a it's a gospel mission. They're yep. proclaiming the gospel. Um, yep. so next question. Uh, this is a really fun one. The Day of Atonement is brought up for the first time in Leviticus. We hear that same term for Jesus's sacrifice on the cross. So spoiler alert. <laughs> what does the day of atonement mean for these ancient Israelites wandering in the desert for uh, in the desert thousands of years before Jesus's atonement even happened? What what is it? What does this day of atonement in uh, context even mean to these ancient Israelites?
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bring out a, a resource from L. Michael Morales. He wrote Who Shall Sin? the mountain of the Lord. Um, And I think he makes a compelling point. Number one, the day of atonement is the center of the book of Leviticus. So Leviticus 16, right in the middle. And I think he's following in a long line of Jewish scholars, more particularly. So we talk about this and then Leviticus 16, not just the middle of Leviticus, but the middle of the entire Pentateuch. So it's, it's kind of the, the Zenith, the top point of this. And it's also interesting and helpful to understand the context. Like he said, of day of atonement Cause it doesn't, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes a few chapters after the, the end. It's not the, it's actually not the improper sacrifice. If I remember right, it's the improper priests at the improper time who made the sacrifice and defile the altar. And then you have a few chapters of, I think, clean, unclean laws after that. And then basically the restoration, the the cleansing of the altar in Leviticus 16 and then the atonement you can say for both like kind of in line with the sins of the the two priests who improperly um, set up their sacrifice, but then also overall for Israel, not just for those two people, but for all of Israel, the camp um, for their one time sacrifice once a year by one priest. Um, So I think all of that, wrapped up to one we'll get into after David Tom, but I think it's helpful to see that this, this has form and function and context within Leviticus. It's not just like, like, Oh, there's, where's this David Atonement come from. They're, they're kind of expecting. Okay. Now that we've seen what this actually looks like, what sin looks like in the temple um, when the, when the priests uh, lift up an improper sacrifice, at the improper time, improper priests who are doing this, then how do we um, atone for this kind of sin and in sin in general?
2: yeah that's cool um yeah I, I was just gonna say you know back to exodus <clears throat> when the lord gives the instructions for the tabernacle um there is uh uh every morning and every evening oh, yeah. slash af- afternoon yeah there, there's daily sacrifice that was prescribed every morning mm-hmm. every evening right twice so twice a day there is sacrifice
0: even think about it too if you're an israelite you're every day morning and evening smelling these sacrifices yep. seeing these sacrifices you're being reminded of like reminded of your sin every single day morning and evening
2: that's right mm-hmm. and then every and then and then and then people are bringing sacrifices like on their own yeah so the priests are doing their own thing like every morning every evening and then you're bringing sacrifice you know and it's not prescribed when but you know it's you know when you do yep. um for yourself the priests are also offering sacrifice for themselves, right? That's a big part of Hebrews chapter mm-hmm. seven. It's um, not
0: just for the people, it's for themselves.
2: Yeah. And then, so it's like, that's going on like every single day. And then there's this one culminating day yeah, um, where this one sacrifice is offered only by the high priest Yep. who only gets, you know, who goes into the Holy. And it's the one time the Holy of Holy, like there's the uh, this big veil between yep. the Holy place and the most Holy place, the Holy of Holies.
0: So it's the one time he gets
2: to go in there. Um, and he does this, you know, and he makes the one sacrifice, or he sprinkles the blood. Um, so I think it's, I, 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 think already in the old Testament, um, um, the day of atonement is already like typologically showing that there's a once and for all sacrifice. Yeah. So, cause this is like a culminating day, right? This is the hype. It's not done year. by the
0: people. It's done by the yeah. priest on their behalf.
2: Yeah. So, you know, and it's for everything. Um, and then there's like. Uh, there, and, there, and there's two goats mm. that um, that are that are brought. Like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. the there's the goat for the sin offering, where that's the actual goat that's sacrificed, yep. and that's the blood that's sprinkled in the holy of holies on the on, on the ark of the covenant. The uh, horns, right? Yeah. Um, but then there's also this other goat. Um, I think the ESV calls it the live goat, or it's like I think it's a scapegoat in the King yep, James. The it's the azazel, azazel is the Hebrew yep. term. It's mm-hmm. the goat that the priest. He puts his hands on its head. He lays hands on its head and he confesses all the sins of Israel.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he like, this is where the idea of imputation starts to yeah. come in. He imputes all their sins yeah. to this goat. And this goat is then not, it's not sacrificed. It's then sent out into the wilderness, like outside the camp. Yep. Right. Cause it's now unclean. It's out, out of the camp. So you have like, Obviously the death of Christ signified yeah. by that first by all the sacrifices plus that first sacrificial goat um for sin. But then you have this idea of that sin has to also like be expiated, It has to be taken away. Mm-hmm. And so that other goat that, that Azazel, it's sent outside the camp, right? Um, which I th- I think points even into the New Testament oh, in yeah, Hebrews. Meantime. 13 where he talks about like christ was sacrificed outside the camp outside the city
0: gates yep Mm, um, jerusalem's there and then he's told to go outside to jerusalem on top of one of the hills
2: that's right so i think you know so there's a lot going on there but i think the whole picture of it is like
0: yeah everything is
2: looking forward to this one sacrifice Mm -hmm. but then crazy enough the day after that sacrifice is offered they do morning and evening People are bringing sacrifices for themselves. The priests are doing their own thing again, and then a year later, they're doing it this whole thing over, over again and over and it's And it's like, over what the heck over is over going again. on here? And it's like, yeah. you know, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. Like the priests themselves had to make sacrifice for themselves because they, they they too were sinners. Like they couldn't usher in, you know, the the full fellowship with God. They couldn't. They can't bring people back into the garden.
0: Yeah, and they're always um, sacrificing yeah. something that's not themselves. It's always yeah, it's always outside of themselves. It's that's never right. themselves. Yeah. So the idea of substitution,
2: like imputation, expiation, propitiation, like all these ideas are, are there on the day of atonement. So,
0: yeah. So you can imagine, I mean, put yourself in the Israelite shoes. You can imagine the morning, the evening sacrifices every single day, every Mm -hmm. single week. And then the culmination of this on the day of atonement, where there's a, a kind of a big festival that leads up to this. And so you're, you're being reminded every single day, um, both of your sin and this big sacrifice. And I, like you, like, you can't doubt that people are thinking they're being told too by the priests. Like, I, like, is this ever going to end? Like, is this like, is this this like a never ending cycle? A lot of animals, man. Yeah. Is there yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of animals? And that's also too. people think the tabernacle is some like pristine, non like, That place was bloody. That place was like stinky. That place was bloody,
2: smelly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on
0: in there. And that's this is not a huge camp. So it's it's not like like you're not like you're gonna see this walking with your neighbors, going to say hi to people, going to party. Like Mm -hmm. you see this, you smell this, you feel this. And then like you have to imagine every single day they're wondering, is this ever gonna end? Or like, are we always gonna be making sacrifices for our sins? I can't wait. For that one time sacrifice, that one seed is going to come and strike down the serpent and take away my sin. Yep, that's yep. cool. Yeah. And
2: did we did we mention last time in our Exodus about the tabernacle slash later on temple, how it's a sideways mountain like it's the, oh no
0: we gotta we gotta hit that. I thought sure. we, I thought we mentioned that. So we, we, I think we it. talked about, but I think it might be helpful. Maybe so like before, before we get into the next next yeah. question to talk about yeah. Like, yeah. like like what's in the temple a little bit and how that kind of is prefigured both in the garden and in the, in the mountain. Yeah, all this
2: yeah I thought we did, but uh, yeah, because I, I think we talked mentioned...
0: about the fact that the mountain is the upwards yeah, the we talked up about vertical mountains. temple. Yeah, we talked about that. I don't think we talked so much about like the intricacies of it. It's
2: so like, before. yeah, it's so like the tabernacle is like it's Mount Sinai turned on its side. Flattened. Yeah. Right. Cause the people are at the base of the mountain and the people are outside of the, so there's the whole camp of the Israelites, yep. and there's like this big curtain that's like the uh there's a like, camp,
0: there's the courtyard, there's the inner place Yeah, the most inner place.
2: So you have like the lower part of the mountain of Mount Sinai is yep. the camp of the Israelites. Yep. The middle part where Moses and the priests went, or yep. most of the 70 elders the, went. Yeah,
0: the elders they can stay. That's
2: the, the courtyard, courtyard where the priests are hanging out. Yep. Uh-huh. And then you have like the Holy of Holies, which is only where Moses goes, right? Yeah. And so um and it's only yep. one day a year. You get that right? laid so that on high, its
0: side, yeah, with yep. the tabernacle.
2: Um, and you know, and even more so, like, I don't think we mentioned this even in our tabernacle discussion last time. Um, so like, what? So go back and read Exodus, people, and like mm-hmm. all those tedious chapters about like the the curtains and the oh and yeah, the, yep. and the pole. What's on the
0: freaking curtain? I I remember What's talking on about the curtains. This. It's, yeah, there's so like, two cherubim on the curtain, yep. which sounds a lot like a chapter we just talked about in Genesis three That's with right. the two cherubim at the door of the garden of yeah. eden and the curtains are blue inside
2: holiness. um and there's like you know there's there's all Lamp these designs stands, there's that's meant and to so be forth trees. which are all meant to show like it's like heaven. it's meant to be a picture of heaven
0: yeah
2: um and that curtain of the angels is meant to say like the holy of holies is the garden it is is the garden
0: yep
2: right that's the place where god lives with his people and mm. so in the old testament under the old covenant like access to that access back into God's presence is very, very like restricted. Yep. It's very, very limited. It's one person, the high priest who gets to go in one time, not even for the whole day, just one time. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then when Jesus comes, this is the great thing is like, why is it that the gospel of Matthew says that the curtain temple was torn in, in two from top to bottom?
0: Yep. Because
2: it's showing that now through Christ, the, the once for all you high priest, to to the Holy of Holies, him. like, yeah, back. And we're brought back into god's presence and so access back into eden or back into the garden Because the garden mm-hmm. Eden's bigger than the garden so there's the garden in eden yep. um so you have access back into the garden we have that already by faith and then of course we're going to go to revelation eventually and we're going to see like how yep. revelation 21 and 22 describes the new heavens new earth as like this edenic garden-like yep. place where the whole entire earth mm-hmm. is the garden of eden mm-hmm. <laughs> which is awesome, you know, yeah. which is awesome. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You get, you get so many figures. You get the, the water basin, which I think is in the courtyard yep, or it's, it's, in the courtyard. it's either that or it's in the holy place. Not, it's not in the, uh, inter- it's outside holies. in the courtyard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. so and, it's in the, and courtyard. So the
2: altar burnt offering. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You get that, which people have said symbolizes kind of the rivers of life that kind of flow in and out of the garden. This is where GK Beal, I've, I've, I've read some of his stuff and he goes, into this with the garden, you'll get, yeah, the lampstands.
2: Yep. It's at, inside.
0: Yeah. The inside that represent the tree or the tree of life in, in yep. some respects. Um, You'll get the Ark of the Covenant, which is um the two tablets of stone written by, uh, by the hand of God, which is kind of symbolizing his presence, not unlike his presence in the garden when he's walking with Adam and Eve. And when he's walking per se with Moses on top of Mount Sinai. So you get, yeah, you get all of these, kind of callbacks to the garden to Mount Sinai for Mm -hmm. this is, this is where God meets his people. This is where God comes down to meet his people and his people have access through the priest who goes once a year into the Holy of Holies. So he represents his people, but the people don't get to go inside the Holy of Holies. If they go anywhere inside anywhere that's holy, that place is made unclean by the unclean people. So the priest has to cleanse himself to walk into this. And that's, that's a whole kind of, thing in itself is how how people are cleansed to walk into the Holy of Holies
2: yep
1: yeah. All right.
2: uh right. First question. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. We are.
2: Oh. Yeah. 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 Those number two. You're right. My bad. My bad.
1: Uh. A lot of non Christians might not realize that the term scapegoat is a biblical term, and so yep. I, think, yep. I think. I think. I <laughs> think that's just a fascinating. <laughs> yeah. the, the, yep. the 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 how the scapegoat is used in Leviticus is just fascinating. How it's. Yeah. Or we talk about sports. like
2: in sports, like uh, well, I mean, like we just watched uh the NL the NLCS. Yeah, and Bryce yep. Harper did nothing in Game Six and Seven. Yeah, I mean the Diamondbacks, yeah, kind of
0: coming out the of Phillies nowhere. The Phillies themselves did panic. nothing,
2: and the Phillies were up three two, and they get, they lost Game Six and Seven at home, right? Yep. To the underdog, they got
0: blown out at home.
2: Yeah, so like we'll see next year. Like the Phillies are going to come back, they're going to dominate, and you're going to hear like the language of like, oh, you know, the Phillies atone for themselves this year, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, like that. Like we use that language in our culture, yeah, you know, yeah. of atonement.
1: Mm-hmm. You Amen. know, Bryce Harper, hit,
2: Bryce Harper's a game winning. Game winning Jack in game seven. It's like, oh, you atoned for a
1: sins from last year. Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, sca- the scapegoat took all the blame of yep. all the weight and blame of everything. So everyone else could have rest. And he's like, well, I take blame that I didn't do well. So, yeah. And then, um, also another thing before I go into my next question is, uh, a lot of audience, a lot of people just wonder, um, it's a good question. Old Testament people that are following these instructions uh how are they saved you know are they saved but yes they are saved and yes yes it's true later in scripture you read that bulls and goats don't atone for sins however based on context those israelites were honoring god doing the way worshiping him the way that they were prescribed to with true faith looking forward to the cross as we are looking back to the cross
0: yeah i would go even Um, stronger than that they're not trusting in the bull and goats themselves, but in the Correct. sacrifice that the bulls and goats represent, saying exactly. that God is atoning for my sin, He's wiping my slate clean, and even further than that, um, He is imputing me with righteousness that is not my own.
1: Yeah, they know something deeper is going on, yeah. and and versus versus just in and of itself doing the sacrifice and thinking that spilling yeah, the blood of that goat. Yeah, because there are people in
0: Israel who are not part of God's elect who are making these right. sacrifices just as uh, exactly. like, this is what we do as Israelites, but not because they believe in the one whom that they are sacrificing to or through.
1: And just like there's in right now in our churches, there's people that have been baptized that aren't part of the elect.
0: Yeah. Not part of the yeah. invisible church. Yeah.
1: So, so I wanted yeah, wonder. I think it I'm was,
2: that- uh, isn't it Hebrews eight? I think, um, where, oh goodness. And I forget the Greek words, but, um, um oh yeah, it's uh I think it's in Hebrew. Yeah, it's is it Hebrews
0: eight? It's Hebrews somewhere. I know that.
2: Anyways, Hebrews uses two different terms for like sacrifices and what's going on, um, parasis and aphasis.
0: Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yep.
2: So yep. like in some like kind people, of
0: a little bit passing over a little bit, yeah. and then ephasis is like forgiveness or yep.
2: So some people in the reformed tradition have taken
0: um isn't like good? You know, isn't that, this like uh Vush's thing or Fuchis' thing? Didn't he like make a big distinction out of this? Uh no the, the the opposite of Futsius is Coxeus
2: um, oh I I, so, was one, yeah. I know it was, uh, or yeah
0: Coxeus or Fuchsius Johannes
2: Coxeus is a reformed theologian in the seventeenth century and he made a big distinction between uh paresis the, the kind of passing over of sin yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and then aphasis the forgiveness of sins and and tying that to like the history of redemption and yep. saying that yep. in That's the right. Old Testament you know how do we make sense that like the blood of bulls and goats doesn't take away sins yeah. But yet, people were still saved, and the point yep. he makes, and I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying it's one option is that in the Old Testament, yes, they're always everyone saved by faith in the coming Savior. Mm-hmm. That's that's Abraham and everybody. Yep. Um, but the way, like the way it works in the sacrificial system, is that you know, in a sense, God is covering over sin, you know, in in an outward way, mm-hmm. but it's always pointing forward to that faces, uh, the, the 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 erasing, the, the, the washing away, the forgiving of sins which they had yeah uh, by faith already yep. then in the old testament mm-hmm. it just wasn't accomplished yet on the cross by Christ yeah. so you can yeah you can say
0: yeah the two fancy yeah. latin terms like there there was the Ordo salutis so it was like the kind of the process of this salvation was true but historia salutis so like what like what actually happens in history to make sure that this was accomplished had not yet been done but that doesn't mean that their salvation is not yet complete it's just like the the Christ yep. Himself has not yet come, although their faith that Christ is coming and will forgive their sins and impute them righteousness—that's what saves them.
2: Yep, Peter doesn't know as much from history, people, but he, that's, that's okay. He's going Presbyterian on it, so it's all, <laughs> it's all good.
0: I'm going, I'm going <laughs> different from, I'm going different. Back in the that. back
2: in the old days, like things were so hot back in the, in the Netherlands yeah. back in the 1600s that between uh, uh, Heisbertus oh, Futsius I, I've read and this debate. Oh, Patseus, I've, yeah, I, I
0: definitely know this debate.
2: Big time. And uh, the Coxseans, the people yep. that liked Johannes is covenant theology better, they, on, on the Sabbath day, on Sunday, they would sit in their windows. If you've ever been in the Netherlands, and everyone knows like what a, a Dutch house looks like, they would sit in their front room in their window, and they would knit on the Sabbath day, the Coxseans would, uh, while the Futsians would walk by and go to church, because Futsians uh, were like very Sabbatarian, no yeah. work, yeah. no anything. So the Coxseans would knit uh, on <laughs> the Sabbath day just to show the, the Footsians, like, you know
0: i'm free
1: i can do
2: whatever i want (laughs) yeah so yeah pretty crazy anyways good times good times
1: well and and before my next question they to take it a step further and not to spend too much time on this because god knows his elect there's even non-israelite gentiles in the old testament era that were saved Mm -hmm. because god knows his elect and so um you know, we could leave it. It's there. not being you know.
0: Jewish that saves you, although that's that is whom God that's the line, yeah, that's the, that's the yeah, line that's the, the covenant, line. Yeah. But it's not being Jewish that saves you.
1: Yeah, it's that's right. It's theologically logical to know that Gentiles in the Old Testament there were some that had true faith. Yeah, um, because God imputes His righteousness. He He knows His elect. He will. Well, Somehow He gives provision they... in the
0: law also for those who are not of Israel.
1: Yeah. So Israel is set apart from the rest of the world to show the world how to mm-hmm. worship God. So but... it kind of
0: assumes that they're going to show the world and the world too is like, yeah, I want to worship Yahweh.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So moving on to the next one. This next question is really practical for us today because there is some confusion when you're reading a lot of laws and rules and purity rules and laws and, and all this stuff in Leviticus. But then, you know, oh, this stuff is fulfilled in Christ. So do we just literally throw it all out? So my question to be concise would be, how do we discern which laws uh, of the many listed in Leviticus are still to be honored? And which ones are because Jesus is fulfillment to us by being uh, new covenant believers? So the example would be like, there's really good. God knows how to take care of his creation really well. So there's some hygiene laws. It's not that these people were necessarily doing anything bad. It's like washing your body after certain human acts and things like that. But then there's obviously we would agree with laws against homosexuality and incest, but then there's laws against like tattoos. And so I know that's are kind they of tattoos like, though? <laughs> are they tattoos yeah, so, though? That's the question. So then um is are somehow help- <laughs> so my my main question is is are some of these helpful to still be further sanctified? today as christians or how do we look at all these can we just be like oh that was good esoteric rules we just know we can take them all packaged and not worry about any of them because they're um fulfilled in christ but obviously there's still ones that we honor today about hygiene and you know we go into um laws against homosexuality and incest obviously we still honor those rules so what, what do you what's but kind do of do we though honor those well i would disagree the that they're hygiene law.
2: I, I, I would say they're not hygiene laws. They're these are ri- ritual laws.
0: Yeah, they're clean and unclean okay. laws. Yeah. So
2: I mean, okay. I would say you know, yeah. So I would just that's what I would say about that. Um. Uh. So that's so they make like a
0: the, lot of distinctions in some the of big these issue, laws. Yeah.
2: The the big thing is like these are ritual, mm-hmm. purification laws, and yeah, some of them are like, hey, you got to keep you can't have mold in your walls in your house. Um. Right. You know, hey, after like you can't, uh. You know. You can't touch your wife like when she's on her period. Yeah. Um. Like what? They, they're know, not what, just
0: hygiene, but it's like you're you're like you're made unclean when you touch something that's unclean. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Because yeah, it, but yeah, unclean for what? Like unclean to like ritually. Yeah. Like you offer can't sacrifice. sacrifice. Yeah. You know, so like it's all driven toward like. And what's the point? The point. The
0: big. The big it's point all is temple like temple worship.
2: Yeah, in like Leviticus nineteen, you get that quote, you get that line that's quoted in First Peter that we are to be holy as the as the Lord our God is holy. Um, so he's teaching them his holiness. All of these laws, God is holy, God is righteous, uh, God is just, yep. God is different than you. Like, and you have to do like this tedious, what we would think is like just stupid min- minutia. Yep. Why? Because God wanted to show them that they were sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The more you cleansing
0: know, you had to do, kind of like the more you can yeah. say, the more unclean, like the, you know, like you the more.
2: tattoo, like prohibition. Yeah,
0: you know, it's not really a tattoo.
2: People are, you know, th- there's debate about that, but I think it's cl- it's clear to me at least. Like these are like you you can't put ritual markings of other yeah. deities on your yeah, body. That's
0: that's closer to what people think. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of you're labeling yourself with another god.
2: So yeah, mm. so you know, I mean, so there's like all these ideas of laws, like. You know, there's ceremonial, we talk about ceremonial laws, um, which these would be, there's judicial laws, which are like the punishments. And then you have like, um, but you have those kind of moral laws, in
0: some of these, yeah, some of the judicial yeah. laws.
2: And there, but like, we would say, you know, I'll show my, I'll show, I'll, I'll pull out my Presbyterian card. <laughs> um, Westminster Confession of Faith talks about like the general equity of yep. the laws. So yep. even like ceremonial laws 19. and judicial laws, like the judicial laws, right? Have some general equity. Yep. Um, there are like principles of justice, uprightness, you know, fairness, you know, in society. Yeah. Um, that that we can you know take from that, um, yeah. and and still apply. So like, okay, tattoo. Like so, yeah. I've I've been asked this a billion a billion times. Like, hey, hmm. does the Bible tattoo. say tattoos are wrong?
0: Yeah.
2: And I'm like. No, it's talking about like ritual markings to deities. It's the
0: same thing you get with like the mixing of fabrics. People don't really see like, like what's the mixing of fabrics have to do with anything?
2: Yeah. So yeah, I would, you know, like on the tattoo, I would just say, you know, look, if you're a believer, yeah, don't have, you know, general, general equity would be, um you know if you are a believer don't go get a tattoo of Molech, <laughs> yeah, you right.
0: know
2: of the <laughs> yeah. devil now if you're if you know if you're in the hell's angels all of a sudden you become a believer well i mean you got those markings in your body what are you gonna do about it you know the lord cleanses your heart it's not your it's not your skin that matters yeah, yeah. um so yeah but i would say like there yeah there are general kind of equity things yeah. you know like okay building the little like building like the little like s- scaffolding wall on the on the roof you know um it's it just like the general equity was, you know, so people weren't dying, like, you know, protecting <laughs> the life. The roof. <laughs> of,
0: yeah,
2: protecting the life of your neighbor. It's an application of the moral yeah. law of, of of murder, right? So, like, there are general equity things that we can learn from, yeah, uh, as believers, um, you know. Yeah. But we don't want to then just, you know, translate it and say, "Well, we can't eat pork. We're Christians." Yeah, some Christian some groups do that, right? The 7th Adventist, right? You know, you can't eat pork. It's it's unclean. Um. Or, yeah, you got to wear like, you got to have like, you got to have a, all men have to have like, you know, the, the sides of their hair growing out and like beards, yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, this is all ritual, yeah. like to set them apart yeah. as a distinct people to hear the law and to like, point them to the gospel.
0: Yeah. And this, this is where sometimes you can get to some um, interpretive difficult waters when you say, well, which law is applied now versus which laws yeah. don't apply yeah. now yeah and that's what i was getting at. like yeah you're yeah, kind yeah. of and that's, yeah. and that's like all christians think this because i think a lot of christians don't read leviticus in the context that was written and who was written to right. and why was written all this stuff and we too directly apply this to us instead of saying okay what what role did this play in israel first how does this continue the promise that god had given in the garden and with the clean unclean distinction with sinfulness and with with uh, omission, commission, all this stuff. Like we have to go there first and then you go to us or you, then you, I guess you go through Christ and yep. then you go to us. Um, mm. Cause a lot of these like, and maybe I'll play my cards a little bit, but a lot of these, even like, yes, I'm like, I'm, I, I fully believe that the Bible is against homosexuality, but if you go mm. into some of these laws with homosexuality, with adultery, um, there's death penalties against right. these things, which go really far, which, like again I'll play my I'll play my cards. I, I don't think those apply today anymore. Correct. And I think yeah. other people would disagree with that. But yeah, there's it's it's not like okay, we take this one thing versus another thing, because that's where non-believers or progressive Christians, whatever, whatever you kind of want to lop them into, um, they'll get you on this stuff. It's like, okay, well, you take right. this law, but you don't take this law, you'll take that law, but you don't take that law, which that's I think the it's too myopic of a view of a law versus like what Danny's saying, this is this is showing holiness. Yep. Foremost, this is showing the distinction. This is showing what we have to do to be present before Yahweh, um, to be clean, to be righteous, to be holy, all this. That's like that's its first and foremost. That's what it's looking towards. Yep.
1: Um,
0: instead of like what laws apply then and what laws apply now.
1: Yeah. No, huge. Yeah, and I, yeah, it's stuff.
2: like yeah. I'll just to add to that, just quickly to say, like Paul says in Romans 10, like the whole, like the whole law's goal is Christ, right? Like yep. Christ is the, is yeah. the end yep he's the goal of the law and so you know to an unbeliever you know having this kind of conversation is always to say look you know as christians we believe the whole bible is the word of god mm-hmm. but all these things are meant for a purpose mm-hmm. and christ is the goal of all these things now we then you know we're not lawless and no. so we have to then and that's where we get these distinctions between yep. like ceremonial judicial moral like there are things that continue on and mm-hmm. are clearly continuing on yep uh and there are things that don't so like you know, just the issue of like homosexuality and death penalty. Yeah. The the Christian, you know, again, this goes to like contemporary debates about Christian nationalism. Totally. Um, the Christian Church is not a secular polity. No. Like the Christian Church is not a worldly. Yep. Um, government, and so yeah.
0: the, the church, the church, is, the church is theocratic. In a we sense, we can
2: discipline. We can yeah. do church discipline. Yeah. Which which is to set a person outside the church for yeah. the purpose of showing them their sins to restore them. Yep.
0: Yeah. But
2: we have no like which even no
0: the right apostles in the New Testament kind of make the same case where like discipline is kind of like putting them to death outside the camp so that they come to realization of their sin and come to Christ.
2: Yeah. And so yeah. I would just yeah. So my point is like the church is a spiritual discipline. N- nothing more. Yeah. Um, you know, and th- do those punishments continue? Should they continue in 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 you know in in every single like secular polity, worldly polity? I would say I would I would say no. These are things that were yeah. given to Israel for a time mm-hmm. to show them like just how holy you have to be.
0: The seriousness I mean, of holiness. Yeah. yeah, it's
2: different now. We live. We don't live in the same era. We live in a different yeah. time.
0: Yeah, we live yeah, in right? the fulfillment of Christ and yeah. the the uh, the laws. Yeah, in a sense, applying to the church, but now seen through Christ and his redemption for us on our behalf. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's helpful for people. It's And it's also to, again, we'll look at a lot of these laws and kind of, to use theological terms, we'll impute a modern understanding of the law or a hmm. modern understanding of tattoos or a modern understanding of clothing or a modern understanding of eating instead of looking at them in their context. Like, What does this mean in their context? And then how does it apply through the fulfillment of law? And then is how does it apply it to us? Not to say that we're lawless, but like like we we don't realize how much modernity we bring into the Bible when we read it in our current context.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so helpful, and that's why I phrased the question that I did because there's so much giant. No, I confusion think Christians think debate. exactly
0: that stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so, I, I in a way, I kind of rhetorically asked and We're not, the we're not punting going, the
0: question, but we're just saying there's no. something way deeper going on. <laughs> there's in There's
1: c- context yep. going on, and you know, obviously, we're not saying to stone people to death. Yeah, at we're all. We're not. We're not
0: nomians, not, nor are we antinomians. We yeah. are, we are Christians.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, moving on to the next question, uh, to wrap it up, my last real question would be uh, going back to the mother promise and looking at Leviticus, how Genesis 3.15 is moved forward uh, and developed in Leviticus. So uh, shedding some light on the gospel of Jesus Christ that we see first hmm. promised in Genesis 3.15 by God himself. Uh, so one thing I'm thinking of just to steal a little bit of thunder I'll let you guys wrap it up is I'm thinking of a good example would be John 1 14, um, is talking about Jesus's atonement on the cross, uh, matching that to Leviticus and us being believers, uh, us as believers being temples. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, we've I mean, you've got something you've got a lot of stuff in John because you get Jesus is the temple. um less so explicit atonement language in John one 14, but you get a little bit more with John two, especially with the destruction of the temple. Cause all the Jews are like, what is going on? This is it's given to us for forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus is like, well, you're missing the point that temple is supposed to point you beyond the temple to the one who's going to come in fulfill the temple because I'm the temple who's talking to you right this very moment. Um, mm-hmm. But Um Yeah. You get, yeah. With, with all of this, you get the the promise or how do I say this? It's not, So much, yeah, you get the promise, but the promise is kind of filtered through this continual sacrificial language. And they're they're looking for the one, they're still looking for Genesis 3:15. They're looking for the one who's gonna not just on a continual yearly basis kind of peck at the serpent, but the one who's going to come in and finally crush the serpent, crush their sins, and -hmm. not even just crush their sins, but to give them full and complete righteousness. Because they then Leviticus, they're like, Yeah, this is this is not the end. This is, this is perpetual cycle. And we're being yeah. reminded, which is, which is good because we're reminded of our sin and holiness. But, um, when is, when is the final sacrifice coming? When is the one who's, who's coming in to strike the serpent dead, to strike the, the devil dead and to strike our sins, um, and give us his righteousness?
2: Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I would just add to that, just on that issue of that the question about, uh, like the 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 uh, believers being temples. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm writing a commentary on Hebrews, and I just wrote this. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just like one little couple sentences. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I, uh, have you ever noticed how the writer to the Hebrews in chapter three,
0: oh, I really read calls, this. I saw, I saw your comment. yeah, yeah.
2: Not only calls God's people God's house. That's Hebrews three. But then right after that, he says that he goes on to quote from Psalm number 95, like, you know, uh, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And then the whole like context is Numbers 14 in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Um, So points back to Israel's wandering. Um, That's so this is the Hebrews. The Hebrew writers, what Hebrews is, writers, writers, the writer of the Hebrews. uh, It's his way of saying that the church is God's house. Right. It's his tabernacle in the wilderness of this age and life. So. Uh, and, the, and the cool thing is like under the old covenant, it was the Lord who dwelt in the house, right? The mm-hmm. tabernacle, the temple and the Israelites in the wilderness, like lived around it. We'll give okay. that in numbers. Um, but now we, the all believers in all times and all places, we are the house yep. of God. And so all that language of holiness uh in, in Leviticus, all the laws about holiness and separation and so forth. And God, of course was like right there in the middle of it all. Um, it's now like, the house of God now is bigger, like it's expanded and it's include, includes us. Like we get to come in. So Hebrews four, like with boldness and confidence, we get to come into the throne of grace, like enter before the throne of grace. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that no longer is it just a room for God, but now his house is big enough to accommodate people from every mm-hmm. tribe, tongue, language, and nation. And all of them are, are the house. It's awesome.
0: Yep. There mm-hmm. we go. And Amen. maybe one little plug before we end, and this is on my mind, especially for Leviticus. And this is what I thought previously, and then I was um, strongly disabused of this position at Westminster. Hmm. And now it's now I think it's a huge distinction. A lot of these laws in Leviticus, I think everybody assumes all the laws are because of sin. Because somebody sins or mm-hmm. somebody does this or that. But that's not all the laws. Are. Like You have to make a distinction. When you look at some of these things, some of the laws aren't against sin. They're against uncleanness. And people will assume all uncleanness is, is sin, which is not true. Although all sin is uncleanness, but not all uncleanness is sin. It could just be like, yeah, my wife had her menstruation period or she had her period. Like, that's not because of sin. I mean, people have made uh, like uh, Jacob Milgram, his huge uh, Leviticus commentary has made somewhat of a case, I guess, like blood is kind of the result of sin. But I was like, I'm not super convinced of that position. Um, I could be convinced, but I'm not I'm not convinced right now. But it's there's some of the stuff is like kind of natural human processes. That make mm-hmm. us unclean. Um, emission yep. of semen makes somebody unclean. Doesn't necessarily mean that you sin. It could mean that you have sinned, but doesn't necessarily mean that you have sinned, which just goes to like, not all the laws are against sin, but you have to make a distinction between cleanness, uncleanness, sin, not sin, commission, omission, all this stuff. These, these play a big part in Leviticus. And does mm-hmm.
2: that still make a person unclean? Does what? Does that still make a a, a man unclean?
0: I think it still does make a man unclean.
2: You do, doesn't it? Uh, why would it? It's it's ritual. It's it's purification law.
0: That's mm-hmm. that's true. No, that's there's still some stuff right? I got to work through. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I would say that uh, you know it's it's like temporary law to true. to show again to show them. Yeah, their uncleanness, unfitness to yeah. fellowship with God. Yeah. Does you know sex and the products of sex like make us unclean? Now, I would say. Oh, no, now. yeah, I, no, not now. Yeah. Yeah. and my principle behind that would be, you know, besides Christ fulfilling it all. Yeah. Like Paul oh, talks yeah. I, about I, I how you prayer. Meant, I thought you
0: meant back in Leviticus. Like, oh, yes, oh yeah.
2: yeah. I'm saying now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, thought, yeah I thought you of meant now, bro. Now. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was going to say, doesn't Paul say like prayer sanctifies, uh, uh, in, <laughs> no, is that I mean, the word it food?
0: It was in Leviticus, but no longer yeah. today. Yeah.
2: Prayer yeah, the word sanctifies food and marriage yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah,
1: I mean it's like it's a holy thing, you know. <laughs> I was wondering thing. why you're
0: disagreeing with me. I well, like, I was like, what are you
1: talking about, bro? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're within if you're in marriage, sex is a good thing. Yeah, that's a man great and thing. woman. And even,
0: even in the yeah. old testament, sex is still a great thing. Yes, but it's still it still makes you unclean yep. and unfit an old to walk into yep. the temple. Yeah. <laughs> and that's again to show you the cleanliness of the temple, not to show you the yep. sinfulness of sex. Yes, that's right. The cleanliness of the temple. That's, yeah, and the whole yeah, which
1: is which is to show you the holiness of God, right? The holiness if, of
0: God, cleanliness of yeah. the temple, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, the whole holiness is a great word, and that's brought up in Leviticus. If I could sum up and take a stab at, like, if I could, the overall theme of Leviticus, summing it up, is it really draws on understanding the creator creature distinction. Yeah, you always come to that, the man. Holiness of the creator. Nick, Nick's all about the creator creature distinction. He's
0: all about I it. Do. <laughs> Everything has to do with that. Oh, it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it helps with so many things. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think you. I, think, I you have to be. I think yeah, it could be even stronger. It's the holiness of the creator and the unholiness, the cleanness, yeah. holiness yeah. of the creator and the uncleanness, unholiness of the creature. Yep. Because yep. it's not just kind of one to one, as if we're kind of on similar levels. We're just different. It's no. There's he's well after the, he's yeah after there.
2: the fall, especially right, I and mean, after after the fall, it's definitely like but yeah, the holiness of the create of the creator, yeah, and the unholiness of the creature. Before the fall, we would say create creator, creature like there's a there's a qualitative difference in terms of like being but yeah now after the fall it's it's like the uncleanness right and the yep. uh, inability of the human in sin to yeah approach yeah without he, without god, having that sacrifice for sin and having those sins like removed right yep.
1: there's no um, way for us after the fall to gain on our own terms a relationship with god he has to come to us yeah and make us and clean. that's that's what he's doing, in Leviticus. Yep. He's showing how he can walk with us still, even though yeah. we're sinners. There's, there's one
0: yep. thing I think we forgot about. And maybe a okay. quick little plug before we end. But it's there's a book. I think it's Matthew Thiessen, written in like 2019, 2020 from Baker Academic. Jesus and the Forces of Death. Maybe it's 2021. I forget what it was. Oh my! Like that that book showed me the clean, unclean, sinfulness, um, holiness distinction in the especially leviticus kind of the temple uh the temple rules and regulations and then jesus at the new testament because whenever he touches somebody who's sick who's dead who's anything all the priests are like what are you doing like that's you're gonna make (laughs) yourself unclean this is Mm. like how dare you how dare you touch sinful sick people because you have no access to the temple now that you do this like like how can you call yourself the son of god and say that you can now walk into the temple. And uh, Doctor Thesin's entire thesis is he like him being ho- he's the only holy thing that can touch unholiness and not be affected by unholiness. Yep. makes it holy.
1: Yep. amen. That's a yep. great way to sum up how Leviticus points to yep. Christ. It's yeah, cool.
0: that's you just that's what you see him doing. <clears throat> he's the walking temple throughout mm-hmm. the four Gospels, and he is never made unclean, which is not the case in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where holy things are always made unclean by touching something holy. And now he can impute holiness to unholy things and unclean things. And so he's never made unclean by this stuff, but he's the, the holy temple who now makes all things clean. And then what does he, I think I think in almost every case, maybe Danny, you can correct me for I think in almost every case of him healing, and have him forgiving. I think he almost always says, or at least majority of the time, says, "Hey, now go present yourself before the priests and the yep. temple as clean." Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's other things every time, but like, it's, I mean, well, a, there's a lot of times. Perhaps it really was, but the gospel writers, you know, for sure, a few times it's mentioned. Yeah, um, and it's always like you know for a testimony, right? Yep. It's for a testimony to them that like that the actual the actual priest who can heal you actually is here. Right. Yep. That's so that's
1: how that's how Jesus is showing he is God in a very Jewish way. Yeah. To the people. So when people yeah, I think ask, people like, will, like
0: say that Jesus like subverts the Jewish law and subverts the law and all that stuff and subverts purity principles, which, again, was the reason why Dr. Thiessen wrote the book is like, no, he's actually he's very aware of yep. the Jewish temple system of the sacrificial system of the yep. of the Holy Code. And he is fulfilling this, and then making all unclean things clean.
2: Yeah, and the fact that the the Holy One of Leviticus 19 is now yep right in front of you. Yep, Jesus, like those, the the like all that stuff starts to fade away. Like, obviously, so you know, like the system itself isn't abolished. Like, right then and there, he still yep. follows the he still yep. follows the law. And so yep. Like, because well, he like
0: he hasn't, he hasn't been crucified and resurrected. Yeah, at that point, like, so it's he's showing a, that he's stuff that's coming
2: to an end, like as yep. Hebrews eight describes it. Like that old covenant yep. is coming to an end
0: because they still worship in synagogues or yep. some synagogues, I guess, in the Book of Acts, and then later on in the epistles. Yeah, yeah they, there's yeah. a very different system now yep. in place in the synagogue where they don't have to be clean to walk into the synagogue.
2: Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's definitely like an overlap between the old the new covenant where the old covenant is fading away and the new covenant is inaugurated, but it's. But it's you know in practice Christians are still worshiping at the morning and evening sacrifices. So yep. Then he acts like four. Um, yeah. They're you know they go to synagogues and so forth. Yeah. So there's definitely like an overlap. So it's not yep. Nice, yep. nice and yep. clean.
0: Yeah. You know. Um, but there's definite like distinctions yep. now. Yep. That have occurred.
1: Yeah. No, that's helpful. That before, like Peter said, before Jesus's crucifixion, there it is. There's Old Testament context. Mm-hmm. with jesus's earthly ministry yeah Well, and the then, pharisees scribes
0: all yep. the lawyers they're still functioning under old testament law
1: yeah that's why it's so confusing for them as pharisees being like wait what?"
0: they know the law pretty stinking well yeah they have, like they have the i mean the entire pentateuch memorized if not most of the old
1: testament memorized there's been kind of yeah. some conjecture on that they they know who jesus they know that jesus is calling himself god
0: yeah they know oh yeah yeah. Happening.
1: yeah 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 yep. totally
0: Cool. Well, hopefully now when people read the Book of Leviticus, that's maybe hopefully a little less of a slog. And it's now you start yep. seeing, oh man, there's there's a lot more going on here that the New Testament authors are pulling from the Jesus fulfilling. It's not just <laughs> yes, of course, it's rules and regulations, of course, but it's not just that. There's a lot more going on in this book than just that. Yep. Cool. Perfect. Well, as we end, as we always do, Danny, where can where can people find you? Yeah, I was in, all, Yeah. All your stuff? Uh,
2: yeah, you can find me at Oceanside URC um, Sunday after Sunday, and when this is airing, I I don't know how far I'll be, but I'm doing a series through the whole Bible. So in the show notes, we'll have uh, there's one I'll, I'll give one sermon on the whole book of Leviticus, mm-hmm. um, and also um, I think we'll also have in the notes uh, I did a series many years ago through Leviticus. Mm-hmm. So the sermon it, those are just the audio, um, so that'll be also there. People can and uh, can listen if you want to get into the weeds. Um, so yeah, OceanSide URC down here in San Diego or up here in San Diego, depending where you're at or over here in San Diego, river <laughs> yeah. at, um, yeah, love to have you love to, love to welcome you worship with you. Um, yeah. you find me online doing my thing. So, um, yeah, there you go.
0: And your dominant or not your, uh, your Greystone Institute courses too.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know when this is airing, but yeah, uh, I'll have a Greystone course on preaching theology of preaching sometime in the, in the spring of 2024 awesome. coming up. Nice.
0: Yep. Yeah. You can find me at Redeemer OPC in Santa Maria and Nick, where can people, this'll air the first week of February. So are you still going to be in California?
1: Uh, I'll be off the grid. I don't want people to know where I'm living, but (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of the point of me leaving California. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, kind of, um, no, Grizzly Adams over here. That's right. (laughs) I'll be, um, well, I'll just say based on context, right. Going to the theme (laughs) where, uh, as we're recording where I'm at now. So, and I still want to promote my church, Trinity OPC yep. in Dana Point, California, Pastor John Morsh grad from Westminster Seminary, California, and Danny, you know him really well too. Um, so I want to promote that church before I know even in the future where I'm going to land. So yep, yep. please cool. check out that one too. <clears throat> yeah. And
0: next week we've got, uh, the book of numbers. So one of those numbers, yep. There's <laughs> scintillating text that, Final yeah. plans go to die Get your calculators
2: out people so add right. up
0: there's a lot more going on so yeah <laughs> the ending is
1: pretty the ending is really helpful though and good That's so true. cool all right. All, all right we'll see you guys next week
0: all yeah right. thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's episode in our seventh season jesus and all of scripture please make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast catcher or on our youtube channel Give us a rating on Apple or Spotify and write a review. These really do help the show reach a wider audience as we continue with our goal of bridging the gap to reform Christian theology for all peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations. We'll see you next week for another episode.